we welcome you to our services this morning. Pray that the Lord would be pleased to bless his message uh, to the comfort and encouragement of you and I as his dear children. I'd like for you to take your Bibles with me this morning. Wait, let me start this recording. I'd like for you to take your Bibles with me this morning and turn to a very familiar passage of Scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we're only going to deal with one verse this morning, verse 17. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. I've entitled this message, The New Creation. The New Creation. Let's just read it. I mean, it's a, to me, it's a powerful verse. <clears throat> it's one that's, as we'll see, has been abused and misunderstood. He says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, any man be in Christ, you notice he is as in italics, so it wasn't there in the original. If any man be in Christ, a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new, period. End of statement. I don't know, I've been on this planet some time, and I've been around religion quite a long time, all the way back from my childhood. I know I got kind of wild and rowdy through my teen years and through my young adult years, but then I got vigorously uh, involved in false religion back in the early 80s. But that being the case, I speak from experience. I have been part of this that we're going to talk about this morning. But I, I don't know many other passages of scriptures other than the one that we read in John this morning, John 3.16 maybe. I don't know any other passages in the Word of God that have been so blatantly and so heretically used by those in false religion to garner their desired result. And what's their desired result? To create or to foster little carbon copies of themselves in their religious efforts, and their religious energies. Our Lord Jesus Christ looked at the most religious, moral, upright generation that has ever existed, probably outside of my own. He said to them, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you compass sea and land to make one proselyte. And when he's made, when you think about this, it shows that, you know what that teaches us? They can make disciples. You hear me? And when I was in false religion, Kenny, I created disciples. I made them. I taught them. I fed them. I instructed them. I led them right down the path to where I was at, trying to make them just like me because in my mindset, you know who was on top? Who had arrived? who had all the little pigeonholes filled out perfectly and completely, old Richard did. And I thought, if I can make them like me, they'll be all right. They, when they're made, when you've created them, you make him or her twofold more the child of hell than who? The one that created them. Just like all of them, when I was deeply entrenched in false religion, doing my, and I was doing my death, to avoid every known sin, everything that I considered sinful and evil. 
and doing my dead level best to do everything possibly that can be considered good, going to church, trying my best to give a tithe, to not be a gob robber, you know, trying to love my fellow man, trying to love my neighbors myself, trying to love those who were my enemies. And what do the scriptures call that? How do the scriptures define and describe all that that I was doing? Here's how it describes it, being ignorant of the righteousness of God and going about to establish their own righteousness. That's what I was doing. And if you'd asked me that, I wouldn't have told you that. I'd have denied it. But in reality, that's what I was doing. This verse was this verse here, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. I thought about this this week. I went and looked it up. Oh, oh Martin Luther. This was my, my cat of nine tails. This verse right here. To, to try to beat my flesh into submission. Go read the history of Luther when he was a monk. And he was dealing with his sinfulness as the Lord was moving on him. And he was in that monastery. And he literally took a cat of nine tails and would beat his back trying to get rid of all of the sinful thoughts and the evil in his life. Like he thought he could drive it out. That one thing you need to come to realize and understand as a child of God is this. You cannot improve the flesh. We read it a moment ago. That which is flesh is flesh. Always has been, always will be. That's why flesh and blood shall not inherit the kingdom of heaven. What's got to happen? It's got to be changed. Why? It's nothing but rebellion. Paul said it this way. I know that in me that is in my flesh, not just this body, our 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 human nature, who and what we are in Adam, in me dwells no good thing. False preachers use it out of its proper context to, to frighten people into obedience in order to avoid ultimately them being of the opinion that they themselves are lost and others thinking they're lost because they ain't lived up to whatever standard the religious people have set up. They use phrases like this, and I know they use phrases like this because I use phrases like this. They'd say this, if you're not living it, whatever it is, that's the thing, I've never got anybody to tell me what the it is. If you're not living it, and if you aren't something different now than you were when you first started, or if you're not more holy now than when you first believed, or you're not more Christ-like, and they, they never define Christ-like properly. Here's Christ-like. You, these religious, moral, upright sinners that were trying to keep the law to get to heaven, you are of your father, the devil. That's Christ-like, telling the truth. To tell men and women, you are lost and dead in your sins, that's being Christ-like. Their idea of being a Christ-like, feeding somebody. You know, putting a shelter over the head, going visit them in the hospital or the nursing home. We should do all those things. That's not necessarily Christ-like. Everybody does that. Every false religion I know, you know where they're going to be this afternoon? They're going to be at these different nursing homes. Or they're going to have a prison ministry. Or they're going to be out building habitats for humanity. Doing all these things. They say if you're not more Christ-like than you were when you first believed... And I remember speaking, you better examine yourselves. I can remember saying that. You better examine yourselves. You better. Because if you're not, there's not some great change, not something that you can look at and put your hands around, something different about you, you're probably still in unbelief. That scared me to death. But instead of 
in my unregenerate state scared me to Christ, what did it scare me to do? To try even harder. To push the wheel further. Never any rest. Thank, for, thank God that He brought the truth to my ears and I heard from the voice of Him who is Christ. What? Come to me all ye that labor and heavy laden and I'll give you rest. <laughs> what a rest it is. Let me say that you, you can't lift 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. And we're, we're lifting it out this morning, but we're not going to lift it out of its proper context. And you cannot lift it out of the context of what's being taught here. Most people in religion, they zero in on this one verse. But that's, Paul, Paul's not just teaching regeneration here. Not talking about just the new birth. This is considered in light of what he's already said in chapter 4 and now in the beginning of chapter 5 and how he's going to conclude this in these last few verses, verses 18 through 21. It has to be viewed and considered in light of the reconciliation of the ungodly by God through how? Christ's obedience unto death. That's the only way you can see this. Any other way, you're off the rails. Huh? You're out in the weeds. The man that I surrendered to the ministry under years ago, back 1981, he used to quote this verse. And I picked up on it, and it became my mantra. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Right so far. But he didn't even define that right. Old things, and I, I still remember him saying that, old things have passed away and are in the process of passing away. And all things have become new, and they are in the process of becoming new. And I thought, sounds good to me, because that fits right in with the way I was trying to get to places. Yeah, yeah, I thought about that statement he has this week. I really, I thought about it a long time. You know, that, that statement is a contradiction in and of itself. Because it contradicts itself actually denying what Paul declared of all those who are in Christ. What are they? They are new creatures. And he said, no, 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 no. You're not actually a new creature. You're in the process of becoming a new creature. It's kind of like they've got a caterpillar mentality about Christianity. That we're kind of in a larva state. And one day when we do enough and we scratch enough on the inside, we'll scratch our way out, out of bust this big beautiful butterfly. That's not what he's talking about here. What, 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 does, what did the Holy Spirit mean? when he moved Paul to write this? And what do the scriptures teach of this grand subject that Paul presents to our mind's eye here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5? Well, look at the first part of verse 17. See if we can find it in the scriptures. He says, Therefore, if any man be as in italics, wasn't any original, any man be, if any man in Christ... He is, is in italics, not there. Any man in Christ, what are they? A new creature. You hear that? A new creature. Let me read it to you from Young's literal translation. And to me, this makes it very clear. I could really just not even have to comment on it, but I'm, you, know, you know me, I'm going to comment on it. <laughs> so that if anyone is in Christ, a new creature. If you're in Christ, a new creature. These words, 
These opening words, they have to be interpreted and understood in light of what he had just said. What did he just said? Last week we studied these verses. For the love of Christ constrains us. Because we thus judge that if one died for all, all are dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not live henceforth living to themselves, but unto him which died for them. You see that we've got a work going on here. We died, he died, we died, right? And rose again. We died with him, and what did we do? We rose with him. Not we're going to rise with him. We are going to rise. We're going to be changed. These V-I-L-E bodies are going to be changed at the second coming of Christ. But, folks, we're raised from the dead, spiritually. Wherefore, henceforth, now listen to this, know we no man after the what? Flesh. Though we even knew Christ after the flesh. What do we no longer know? We no longer know him that way. Why? He finished, like I told you last week, the fact that he is no longer in the flesh down here walking around shows us conclusively what? He finished the work. So whatever he's finished, it's not some kind of completion going on here. What is it? Whatever's happening here in verse 17, it's the fruit and the effect of what's already occurred. That's the way you have to interpret this. And after he says this, now after he, he wrote verses 14 through 16, immediately he states dogmatically, based on what I've said, not me, but Paul, what he wrote. Therefore, if any man in Christ, a new creature. He started this declaration with the word therefore, which it means, you know what it means. It means so that, or in so much that, or so then. And it's a reference to what he's written. The original word anew means, now listen to this, of a new kind, unprecedented, novel, uncommon, unheard of. Now we're going to get back to him in a minute, but Nicodemus acted like he had never heard of the new birth. This, this new creation to the natural man, it's unheard of. It's foolishness to him. And that word translated creature means, the here's it's the act of creating. Literally translated, this word should be, if any man be in Christ, not a new creature, what are they? A new creation. A new creation. So Paul told them, and he told you and me, that any sinner that's in Christ, they are a new kind, they are unprecedented, they are uncommon, and they are an unheard of before creation. I tell you what, people say there are no miracles in our day. They're looking for miracles, aren't they? Every time one of God's elect is brought from the dead spiritually, what is that? It's a miracle. The only one that can create you in Christ Jesus is who? It ain't a preacher somewhere. It ain't your mom and daddy. This is a new life is what we're talking about. It's new creation, folks. It's the effect or it's the result of what Paul had been teaching them concerning God's sovereign plan and purpose in the salvation of his people through the accomplished work of his dear son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul told those at Ephesus, for we are his workmanship, created. There's the same word in our text, created. In where? Christ Jesus unto good works which he hath before of old ordained that we should walk in them. I, 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 I know it's, it might get monotonous, but I don't care. I, words are so important. 
And, and that word workmanship means that which has been made or a work of God as creator. So who's doing this? God is. He tells those at Ephesus this, and that you put on the new man after God is, here's the same word, is created. How's it created? In righteousness and true holiness. Well, I know this much. I know there's none righteous, no, not one. I know that in my flesh dwells no good thing. I know that nothing I do, nothing I'm able to do by God the Holy Spirit makes up any part of this righteousness. And I know the only place true holiness can be found is where? In Christ Jesus alone. So he says, we're made new, we're created where? In righteousness and true holiness is just found where? In Christ Jesus our Lord. That, that, that phrase that you put on, one word in the original, it means to sink into, as in to sinking into clothing. You know, I got up this morning and got up, put my boots and stuff. The last thing I always do, I always put my coat on. You, know, you slip your arms through and you, and you put it on and you button it up. Well, it's, it's on me. And he's, he's telling you and me, what are we to do? What are we to sink into? Huh? We're to sink into Christ. <laughs> His righteousness. His blood. His accomplished work. John Gill wrote of these words that we're looking at. He says, they are a new creation. As the words may be rendered, a new creation. It's a phrase often used by Jewish doctors and is applied by the apostle to converted persons. Not to those that are going to be converted. It's applied to converted persons and designs not an outward reformation in life and manners, but an inward principle of grace, which is a creature, a creation work. And so not man's, but it's God's work completely. Let me summarize from the scripture what John Gill wrote. I didn't read the whole paragraph. If you want the paragraph... My notes will be out on Sermon Audio this afternoon. I post all my notes on Sermon Audio, everything that I've written down. They're always out there with the sermon. Go read the whole thing, because it's a big, long paragraph, and I'm not going to bore you with it. But <laughs> go read it for yourself, okay? But let me summarize what he said in these hundred or so words that I've got copied into my note. Here it is. The just shall live by faith. Literally translated... And the righteous one by faith shall live. You see that? We're righteous. Do you get that? Do you understand that? Sinner by birth, by nature, by practice, and even yet still by choice. What are we in his eyes? Righteous one. And by faith we live. See, this new creation which Paul's declaring and describing by these words, it's the work of God the Holy Spirit in regeneration conversion where the Holy Spirit, he, he brings the elect sinner from spiritual death to spiritual life, working in them all the gifts of the Spirit by which they come to rest finally and ultimately in Christ. And his accomplished death at Calvary, his righteousness imputed alone is the only hope and cause of salvation. Listen to Paul's words. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For you're not under the law, but you're under grace. What then? Shall we sin? Because we are not under the law, but under grace. 
God forbid, know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you be, you are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked, you were. You hear that language? You were. So if, if they were, what are they now? They're not. You were, what were you? In your unregenerate state, you were servants of sin. But you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine. It's, it's written here, which was delivered you, is really which, by which you were delivered. See, the preaching of Christ is our deliverance. The law of the Spirit, Paul said in Romans chapter 8, verse 2, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Being then, when? When we believe that form of doctrine that was delivered, by which we're delivered. Being then made free from sin, what did you become for the very first time? You became servants of righteousness. Bond slaves of righteousness. Huh? Before bond slavery, not a, not a bond slave, a servant of sin. Now bored through the ears, like our heavenly Lord, Jesus Christ, sons of the true and living God. Here's so what, what's so important about this, this new, this new creation. It's a one-time event, never to be repeated. Worked by God. And once God has regenerated one of his children by his Holy Spirit under the declaration of his gospel, you know what they do? They see and they enter the kingdom of God, just like we read over in John chapter 3 when our Lord told Nicodemus twice, what? You must be born again. If you're not born again, you can't see. If you're not born again, what? You cannot enter into this kingdom, period. But when God regenerates and converts his people, what do they do? They see it. And by God-given faith, you know what they do? They enter in. They hear his voice. And they come unto him. Now, the just shall live by faith. And they, there's the thing. They can't ever lose it. Once regenerated, once converted, you know what? Safe and secure is the one that sits at the right hand of the majesty on high. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But here's the new creature, the new creation. But we are not of them that draw back to perdition. But we are of them that believe to the saving of the soul. In this work of creation, the elect sinner is as totally passive as mankind was when God stood on nothing, however many thousands of years ago it was, and he said, let there be light. Nobody consulted him, and he didn't consult anybody. He just determined, this is my will, and I'll, my will is done. Folks, this work of creation, it doesn't depend on the sinner's faith. It doesn't depend on their repentance. And thank God it doesn't depend on their perseverance. But it's the sovereign work of God where he puts in them a new heart and a new spirit, which is called Christ in you, the hope of glory. Folks, I don't know any other way the scriptures define and declare to you and me what eternal life is. Eternal life is what? It's to know God, the true and living God. He makes it clear this is life eternal. They might know thee, the only true God, 
and know who else? Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. And the only way you can know the only true God and know Jesus Christ, whom he sent, is how? Is by being made alive, given faith, brought to see him who is your only hope. John, in his gospel, wrote, But as many as received him, to them gave he the power, the authority to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born. Now, they do believe, but here's why. Which were born, not of the blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but what are they born of? Born of God. But there's something else. There's another reason that I read that in John chapter 3. You know, we see in that man Nicodemus the darkness of the unregenerate mind concerning this truth, this vital truth of regeneration, this new creation. Because Christ told this man who, remember I pointed out to you, remember our Lord said to, to him, thou art a master of Israel. And as a master of Israel, what was his responsibility? To teach and lead the Israelites. And as a master of Israel, what did he supposedly have mastered? I tell you what, he was standing kind of in that group that our Lord said, you do search the scriptures, for in them you think you have life, and they are they that testify me, and what would you not do? You won't come to me that you might have. Listen, Nicodemus didn't come out here seeking life. He was, he was out there out of curiosity. Now, fortunately, from what we know, he was one of God's redeemed, one of God's elect. But at this time, what is he? He is ignorant of this creation of God, of which he was supposedly a master. How do I know that? Listen to you. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean. From all your filthiness and from all your idols, I will cleanse you. It's, it's not, I'm going to be in a process of cleansing you from all your idols and taking away from you all your filthiness. He said, when I wash you, what are you? What did he tell Peter? If I've washed you, he that's washed is clean, right? I, a new heart, a new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I'll give you a heart of flesh, and I'll put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you shall keep my judgments, and you shall do them. And what did he do? Where's that from? It's not from the Gospel of John. It's not from Romans. It's not from Ephesians or Galatians, or even Revelations, because those didn't exist at this time, except in the mind, will, and purpose of God. Where's that from? That's Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 25 through 27. And this guy was supposedly a master of this, and he looked at our Lord and said, how can these things be? Because Christ was talking to him of spiritual things, and all Nicodemus could see was, as he was in flesh and blood was what? Earthly things. That's all. I love what Mr. Hawker wrote on this new creation. said, so that it is a new creation, not a new name, not a new principle altogether. He said, not a new name, but a new principle altogether, not an opinion. And indeed, the very name implies it must, for a new creature can only be produced by the same creator which gave being to the first. Creation work can only... Our Lord created, didn't he? he turned, here's creation. He turned water into wine. Here's creation. 
he took five fish and five and I mean, Sally, what do you mean? How many loaves? How many loaves, Sally? Five fishes and or fish. You know how many. <laughs> he took out of that, and what did he do? He fed 6,000 men plus women and children, and they picked up 12 basketfuls. That wasn't multiplication. That was creation. Why did he do that? The works that I do, they confirm that what was he? Like his father before him, he's God. So this work has to be a creation work and without any other predisposing causes. Billy Graham wrote a book one time, How to Be Born Again. It's impossible. I can't tell you how to be born again. It's the work of God in its entirety. I've said it before here, and I'll say it again. I'll continue to say it as long as I've got life. What can a dead man do? And the answer is simple. Absolutely nothing. But those born of God, those who've been quickened by the Spirit, made alive by the Spirit, those who've been made new creatures in Christ Jesus, a new creation, they might be still sinners in and of themselves, but right now, you know what they are? They're new creations. They're new creatures. As they're found in Christ, made righteous by the imputation of Christ's righteousness to them. It's not He's still working on them to make them what they ought to be. They're made everything, and we'll see that when we get to verse 21. They're made everything that they need to be in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. But Paul tells us, gives us the evidence of those Christ-redeemed are new creatures. How can we know that, that I'm a new creature? Well, he tells us two things. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Let me read it, this part to you in Young's literal translation. The old things did pass away. You hear the language? The old things did pass away. Lo, become new. Have the all things. And I think what's interesting about this all things here, and this, we'll get into this more next week, the all thing, because he starts off the very next verse, verse 18. Look at it. How does he start up? All things are of God. <laughs> so whatever these all things, all things are become new, they're all of who? Not of us. Not at all. I know they used to beat us to death with this in false religion. But they are always looking for demanding some continual change or some improvement in what they call practical godliness or practical holiness. Paul makes it clear by the words that he uses here that this change in those who are made new creations, it isn't something gradual, and it's not something progressive. Paul declares, old things are passed away. The original word translated by that English phrase, are passed away, it's a verb. I didn't pay close enough attention in English but I can read what, what books tell me. I'm smart enough to do that. And it's a verb, and as a verb, it's got tense. And it's a Greek verb, and in the Greek, it's in what's called the aorist tense, which that doesn't mean anything to me because they never talked about aorist tense in the English. They talked about past, present, future, present, perfect, present, you know, all that stuff that I didn't pay attention to Miss Davis's class that she fussed at me. Mr. Warmack, you're not listening to me. I wish I'd have listened more, but... 
<clears throat> and you know what it means? It's, it's the past tense. It's the simple English past tense. That being the case, if it's the past tense, whatever these old things are, what's happened? They're gone. They're not passing away. They're passed away. And in the same way, the last part of this verse, the fact that all things are become new, this word are become new is a Greek perfect tense. And the perfect tense is the same thing as our perfect tense, which, listen to this. I think I've said this before, but to me when I read it this week, I was just astonished. Perfect tense in the English describes an action which is always viewed as having been completed in the past, once and for all, not ever needing to be repeated. That kind of puts a different spin on what that guy was telling me, doesn't it? Old things have passed away and are in the process of passing away. Old, all things have become new and are in the process of becoming new. It's intense. Words mean something. We need to look deeper is what we need to do. But here, here's a perfect example of, of the perfect tense. Christ is in the cross, and he lifted up his head, and he cried, it is finished. One word, three English words. Folks, that word's in the perfect tense. And in the perfect tense, what does that say to you and me? It is an action that has been completed once for all, never to be repeated again. Does that make sense on that all things have become new? Well, and that brings up this question. What are they? What are the old things? Well, there's a big, long list I could give you, but I'm going to try to simplify it, make it as simple as I can. The old things that have passed away, those who are the new creatures, you know what's passed away? The guilt, penalty, and condemnation of our sin. Totally and completely. You know what's been old things have passed away? All those things that used to motivate you and me as unregenerate sinners to seek to establish righteousness of our own without looking to Christ's righteousness. That, that old thing... It's gone away totally and completely. Paul said to those in Rome, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel, my kinsmen according to the flesh, is that they might be safe. I bear them record that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge, for they being ignorant of the righteousness of God. That, that's so insightful. That's what lost is. Ignorant of God's righteousness. I don't care how religious you might be, how much knowledge you got crammed in your head, if you are ignorant of the only righteousness that saves a sinner, you're lost. And the result of you being lost is always the same in every sinner. They go about to establish their own righteousness, seeing they have not, and really we can say it this way, they cannot submit themselves to the righteousness of Christ. It's impossible. And we'll see that more clearly when we look at the cause of this great change, this new birth, it's set forth in verses 18 through 21. So old things passed away. Our guilt is gone. Uh, we're dead to the law. We're made alive unto God. But the second thing is this. He says all things are become new. I pulled Henry's commentary off my shelf and read it this week. And he stated this about as simple as you can state it. 
He said, the new man thinks and acts from a new principle. New rules, with new goals, with new objectives, and I like this, in a new fellowship. We're no longer friends of the world. Our fellowship is truly with the Father and with the Son and with who else? With each other. He has a new commandment of love, a new name. According to Revelation, got a new song in his heart and in his mouth. Even praise to our God. A new and living way has been opened by the blood of Christ and an inheritance in the new heavens and in the new earth. In the new creation, absolutely nothing of the flesh is needed, used, nor continued. Our Lord said, Behold, I make all things new. Let me give you three verses that describe these all things made new. Let me read them to you real quick. I started to write them down, but I thought I'll just read them to you. Listen to you. Listen to what he says, the Apostle Paul. First one, write this one down. Don't turn there. Let me just read it to you. This is Romans chapter 6, verse 4 through 7. He says, Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. That's not water baptism. That's the baptism of the Holy Spirit, regeneration, conversion. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so you should walk out in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing that this, that our old man is crucified. And I remember trying to sidestep this crucified thing. I remember telling people, well, crucifixion was a slow death. That's how Mr. Pink got around this thing. Crucifixion was a slow death, and it took a long time. Now, crucified means dead. Christ, it didn't take a long time. Our Lord died. He gave up the ghost, but he died. Those men beside him, they died. Crucifixion, I don't care how long it took, it's still the end result is the same. Whether they broke your legs or not, it always ends the same. He says, we are crucified with him that the body of sin might be destroyed, that we should henceforth not serve sin. For he that is dead, listen to this, is freed. And that word freed, you know what it is? It's the same word translated justified and righteous everywhere in the New Testament. He that is dead is righteous. He's justified from sin. Here's the second one. Listen to this one. Wherefore, my brethren, you also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that you should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that you should bring forth fruit unto God. For when we were in the flesh, again, we were in the flesh, we were in the flesh, what, the motions of sin, which were motivated by the law, did work in our members and everything we did, religiously, morally, sincerely, fruit unto death. But now are you delivered from the law, that being dead wherein you were held, that you should serve, how do we serve? In newness of spirit and not oldness of the letter. And one more, Philippians chapter 3, he tells us this. Paul gives us himself as an example. He says this, For we are the circumcision which worship God how? In Christ. Couldn't do that before. 
New creatures, what can we do? We can worship in Christ because we ourselves are where? We worship him in spirit and rejoice where? In Christ before we couldn't. And we put no confidence where? In the flesh. See, that, that's how you know whether you're new Christ. Do you trust in you? I've heard people make this statement. Well, it's not. Do you, do you know you have a, What's your hope of eternal life? Well, I hope that I'm saved. And you mean, ask them again, what do you mean by you hope that you're saved? I, I hope I'm saved too. But my hope is where? It's in Christ. Their hope is in what? That they've done enough. That they've changed enough. That they've more sincere now. Right? Look into the wrong thing. Our hope is in Christ and in Christ alone, and it's in the fact that he's actually reconciled us. Now, we've looked at the effect, which is the, the new creation. Next Sunday, we're going to come back, Lord willing, and we're going to look at the cause. We're going to look at the cause of the elect sinner's reconciliation. How did we get reconciled? That's where we'll pick up next week in verse 18. Let's stand together and be dismissed. Pray the Lord will bless these feeble words to your comfort your encouragement that he'll carry us safely to our appointed places and he'll bring us back together.